Each of us experience temptation throughout our lives. We have an intentional enemy who knows where, when, and how to attack us in vulnerable areas of weakness. Ignoring his tactics will not make you impervious to personal setbacks. It's time to go the second mile in fighting temptation. Hey, this is Travis Sagney. Thank you for joining me for the Second Mile Podcast, where we seek to live out the words of Jesus from Matthew 541, where he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the second mile. We want to follow Jesus as closely as possible, and that's why today I want to talk to you about how we fight temptation. Uh, I believe this, that um, you know, one of the, the great hymns of old says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to lead the God I love. And I believe that every single person is prone to wander. We are prone to stray away from God, but we also are prone to wander in different ways. Uh, The way that sin entangles me might be different than the way that sin entangles you. And so how do we fight temptation? What are we supposed to do when it comes alongside? Because typically what takes place is that uh, we have an area or areas that are where we're most susceptible to be weak and to feel like we get stuck in temptation and then stray away from God. So with that, if you do have a belief that there's an enemy who knows that and knows how to strategize in your life, knows that when you're weak or when you're tired or knowing you're hungry or when you're frustrated or when someone has hurt your feelings, that we typically can respond in those moments and justify our rebellion because of our circumstances around us. So one of the things I want to encourage you to do is to at least consider um, if temptation is going to come your way uh, and that you don't have to give into it, what are some of the things that you need to do to make sure that when temptation comes, and it will come, that you are ready, uh, willing, equipped to fight the battles? We look at the life of Jesus, who uh, was fully God, yet fully man. And so within that, he had all... Uh, desires and senses and uh, capacities that any other human would have. Yet he lived his entire life, 33 years, without sin. Now, I I know this about me that I, I doubt I can make it 33 minutes without sinning, but he made it 33 years. And with this, there was a simple mentality that he Uh, kept to is that whatever God's word said, he was going to keep and he stayed obedient. And so when temptation came, there were some very key things that he would do that I think are very helpful for you and I to at least consider. And if we're not aware of where our weak areas are, most likely we're already being just completely obliterated by them. So let's get aware of where our weak areas are and how we need to fight temptation when it comes our way. So in Luke chapter 4, right after Jesus is baptized, it says that he went, uh, full of the Holy Spirit, he went and returned from the Jordan. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was there for 40 days being tempted by the devil. It says he ate nothing during those 40 days, and he was hungry, which makes a whole lot of sense, especially for me. Um, 40 days without eating, and he was hungry, just revealing once again, uh, he was fully man. While being fully God, he was fully man. And so with him not have eaten for 40 days, 
is, what does the devil first and foremost come up to him with? He came up and said, well, if you are the son of God, uh, why don't you command the stone to become bread? He basically started waving bread around in front of a man who had not eaten for 40 days. Now, um, the reason why I think that that is, uh, it's just a dirty play, right? But it does go down to something. I think within the three temptations that Luke records and Matthew records as well, there are three areas which really all temptations fall into. And here are the three categories. Appetite, authority, and acknowledgement. Appetite, authority, acknowledgement. First is what we just mentioned. Appetite, that he says, uh, look, why don't you, if you're hungry, if you are the son of God, uh, and really if God's your father and he's supposed to take care of you, right, uh, then why are you starving? You shouldn't have to starve. You should be getting everything that you need. So why don't you just command these stones to become bread? Uh, there's an appetite issue that Satan comes right at because Satan knows where, when, and how to attack us in vulnerable areas of weakness. He knows where our appetites are. They can be appetites for food or for uh, different types of desires to be met. Uh, that sometimes even a good desire, but in a wrong context, wrong situation, wrong source, it becomes something evil. And so Satan knows if he can get us at that place of desire, then typically we will find ourselves falling and straying away from it. So whether it's it's breadsticks or whether it is uh, some other type of luring, knowing that there are appetites that we have as individuals, Satan comes and wants to meet those appetites in the wrong way. But he does know where we are vulnerable. The second area that he attacks is the area of authority. Uh, in verse 5, he, he says to Jesus, he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, I'll give you this authority if... You will worship me. It's all going to be yours, right? So, so the authority is, issue is that he he knew that deep down that uh, while Jesus said once he was finished, uh, he was going to say in Matthew chapter twenty eight, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Satan is trying to fast track that. Hey, let's avoid the cross and just get right down to it. Well, authority is is the main key thing here. Is, is Satan said I can give you authority, and what he was enticing him to do was to step away from the authority of God. And sin is the audacious claim that I have the right to determine what is right. So, so this audacious claim to think that somehow I have the right to make the decisions. And, and so anytime this or where Satan is basically saying this, don't listen to God, listen to me. Um, and ultimately, whenever I don't listen to God and I'm being enticed by the devil, I'm trying to become the authority in my own life. Sin is that audacious claim to think that you know best and that you know the right decision. Adam and Eve first experienced this in the Garden of Eden to take the uh, fruit from the forbidden tree was to... Uh, Receive and accept the responsibility to determine what is good and what is evil. And the final temptation there in verse 9 uh, said it this way. He took him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of a temple, and said, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. And then Satan starts quoting scripture. Uh, and Jesus answered him, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So what is he trying to do here? Well, it's acknowledgement. If Satan, if Jesus were to jump off the temple like Satan asked him to do, and Jesus not die, then everybody would acknowledge him and look at him. But that was not the way that the acknowledgement was supposed to come out. And in an effort to obtain validation from others, we can tend to take sinful shortcuts. Jesus had a path that was given to him by his father, but to do something like that was to receive acknowledgement from other people in a way that God had not prescribed him to do. Deep down that sinful tendency, that temptation is there for us too, where if we want validation from others, we can tend to take sinful shortcuts around the path that God has prescribed us to follow with our lives as well.
So within these three temptations that Satan tempted Jesus with, appetite, authority, and acknowledgement really are three categories for which he is always enticing us. Hey, you had this appetite met. Hey, you deserve the authority to make the right decision. Hey, you want the acknowledgement of other people? We'll take this path. And so what do we find ourselves? How do we do that when those three categories of temptation show up in our lives? What are we supposed to do about them? Well, what did Jesus do about them? He quoted scripture. He quoted from Deuteronomy uh, and and kept going back to the word and saying, you know what? Uh, Even though this was written years before his time, it's still applicable today. You know why? Because if God is perfect, then therefore his word would be perfect. So no matter how long that word endures, it does not need a revision. It does not need an edit. It does not need the popular opinion of the people of the United States of America in 2022 to somehow act as if we have figured out the holes in God's system. In reality, what we have to do is to come and in a mindset and say, what does the word say? And and so I I would say this, that God's not left us without clear standards in his word for the things that we ought to believe or the ways in which we ought to behave. And I want you to know that you should not expect to win, win any battle of temptation if you're not armed with God's word memorized in your heart. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, God, your word I've hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. He doesn't say your word I've hidden in my heart so that I can impress all my friends. He does not say your word I've hidden in my heart so that somehow I can impress God. He says your word I've hidden in my heart that I, that I may not sin. So if you're tired of sinning, then what you do very simply, I would encourage you to find the weak areas of your life. And to be able to say, okay, what is that one or two common areas of temptation where I struggle? And let me go to those areas and I'm going to search what does God's word say on it. Now, you can memorize the entire Bible and you'd still sin, right? But what you do is if the word of God is seen as the sword of the spirit, is what Ephesians 6 tells us, is that this is the offensive weapon when spiritual warfare comes. So while there is many things to put on the defensive mechanism, the armor, the one offensive weapon to be placed in your hand comes down to this. It is the word of God. So when Satan comes and starts running his mouth and tempting you to do certain things, you need to have God's word memorized in those weak areas in your life so you know how to combat the ways of the enemy. So when the enemy comes and says, you ought to do this, your your method of fight should be, but God's word said, it is written, it is written, it is written. We know that the enemy has a personalized plan. He knows where you're weak. You know where you're weak. So are you aligning yourself with the power of God's word? So if anxiety is the place where you keep tripping, tripping up, have you searched what does God's word say about anxiety and memorized two verses or five verses or 10 verses or 20 if you got to, but so that when anxiety hits, instead of just talking to yourself or reasoning certain things or justifying how you want to respond, you speak God's word into that situation and you don't leave any room for doubt about what God says. If if some type of way greed comes in or pride comes in or sarcasm comes in or lust comes in or anger and bitterness come in, what does God's word say about this? And then you don't have to determine what you should do in the situation because God's word has already made that decision for you. So if I were to encourage you on how to fight temptation, do what Jesus did. 
arm yourself with the power of God's word so that you never are unsure what God would have you to do in that situation. Will you hit it right all the time? There's no way. But you can say that you want to do what you can within your power to fight temptation with the power of God's word memorized. I hope to see you on the second mile.